Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. Can I tell you a story? There's this little uh, activity that we do at the church, and I started coming on weekdays during the day more than just for programming now that I'm working a little bit more, okay? And so what happened, uh, or what happens is that at 11.15 a.m., we all gather together as staff in the office back there, and we, we talk through some of the things that will be happening that week, and we, we speak about, um, uh, we go through prayer requests, and we pray for them as a congregation, and we uh, just make a point of connecting with one another. But there's this other part of the meeting where there's sometimes oddball jobs, and these oddball jobs um, have a tendency well, I have a tendency of being attracted to these all oddball jobs. And so I end up with a bunch of these wonderful little activities that I get to do. And so on most pastors' job descriptions, it'll say something like this, and other duties as assigned. And I, maybe some of you have a similar job description where, and that's, that's one of them. So I had this wonderful activity of the icicles on the church, okay? And I don't know if you remember about a couple weeks back, there were some deathly icicles surrounding our entire building, including the entrances. And they were like, they weren't like, oh, let me touch that icicle. They're like death. Like they were, there were huge pillars, heavy. And so uh, Ethan and I, I, we all grabbed our different weapons of choice. And I brought this guy. It's a four pound um, ball. And I take this ball and I, and I started to practice with it and just get, get, you know, slowly. But the reality is, is that the icicles, it feels different inside, but they're the height of the top rafter in the building. So they're a long ways up. So I started hitting, working on the small ones. I started throwing it up, and I start, uh, you know, working on my technique. And then I established this, 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 this technique. It's one, two, three, okay? One, two, and then the release, okay? The squat's important, because I, I remember in long jump that most of the strength comes from your knee driving up, so you need to use your whole body to get the ball as high as it needs to be. So after a couple of very successful attempts, I had lots of ice come down, and it, it comes down with this beautiful, beautiful sound of, like, obliteration. And so there was one mothership of all these icicles, and I, I was determined to get it knocked down. The problem with this big icicle was that it... Um, was so big that a direct hit wasn't good enough. So I had to really get it hit and make sure that it, it clocked it good. Not just hit it, but clocked it good. So I'm determined at this point. I got my technique down. I've targeted. I've hit it a couple times. I know I can hit it. And so I bring myself one, two, and I get here and I hear the sound that nobody wants to hear. And I'm left with my nice pair of jeans with a, like, a, like, a, like a rip like this, like not like a micro tear kind of thing, but a large, large rip. And so I have this great big rip in my jeans, and I'm, I didn't even bring down that big icicle. And it made me think, like, just what a, what a silly situation to be in. So I did the walk of shame to Walmart and through Walmart, found myself a pair of jeans because there was enough of the work day left that I need to come back and keep working. So I changed and went on. But trust Pastor Ethan to notice that what color of pants that you're wearing and that I was wearing a different pants. So everyone had the privilege of hearing the same story that you had today. 
But I think that in our lives, we all have ripped pants scenarios. What I mean by that is that we're going about our everyday lives, but there's many things that are a whole lot more serious than ripped pants. Um, and, I, and I think we can collectively agree that in uh, the Christian life, we expect some kind of transaction where serving God brings gladness. And that's what we're talking about today, is God's, um, God's gladness and our gladness. And so we're thinking, um, I don't have to be convincing to um, have you share in the experience that we've all not been glad. We have all lacked joy. Um, Ethiopian uh, plane crash, the um, terror task in uh, New Zealand, like we, we don't have to look far to see, to see situations that make us um, really struggle to see God's gladness um, enacting in our world. But for us to experience the gladness that God desires and the gladness that he's enabled us to feel as an emotional thing, and maybe even beyond an emotional thing, but as a spiritual thing, this joy of the Lord, I want to take a journey through the book of Psalms today. The book of Psalms I've become very fascinated with in the last little while. And I think it's majoritively because of... Uh, the just how emotional the book is. So we're going to take a look at some of the different emotions that the various authors of the Psalms experienced, and then we're going to take, um, say, some of their positive experiences and see what surrounds that text, surrounds their experience of gladness or joy, and we're going to draw principles out of those surrounding texts of gladness in order that we may understand some principles we can apply to our lives to also experience the gladness of God. Okay, so, um, but I'm going to, to help us do this, I want to invite Nick to come to the stage. Let's make him feel welcome. So Nick is in high school, and um, why don't you, this isn't planned, but why don't you tell us something about yourself? Well, I'm 16 years old, attending Merriam Graham, and I play hockey for around 10 years now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, Nick and I have been getting to know each other through some of the tech at the back, um, but we uh, we're confident that as brothers and sisters in Christ, that um, there's definitely an experience um, that enables people to pass on wisdom. So we we put uh, those who have experience and elders in high esteem. But we also acknowledge, and Jesus acknowledged this as well, that from whomever has the spirit dwelling within them, we can learn a lot from. And Nick's a guy that has a spirit dwelling in him, and so I'm just extremely excited to be able to have him share with us today. So he's going to take us uh, into this next part of the message, looking at uh, the G. So G stands for gratefulness, so we've got a little acronym going for GLAD. And so I believe we should go, as we're going to be talking about Psalms 107 a lot, that we should look at the introductory verses and one of the common refrains. So 
here's verses 1 to 3 and 31 to 32. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and west, and the north and the south. And 31 and 32 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. I believe as I was studying this passage passage, that there are three things we can be grateful for based on Psalm 107. The first thing we can be grateful for is God's love. His love surpasses all of our understanding and is more powerful than any circumstance we may be going through. I believe we see this amazing love of God in verses 31 and 30, 30 and 31. And it says, They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. This is a great example of how God's love saves us from our most desperate circumstances. The second aspect of God that we can be grateful for is that he answers our prayers. He listens to them, yes, but he actually actively answers them and fulfills what we want. Throughout this whole chapter, we see how God delivers the Israelites from a vast amount of difficult situations they were going through. One example is from verses 4 to 7. It says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. The Israelites called out to the Lord, and he answered their prayers, and he saved them by leading them to a city where they could live. I believe we are required to be grateful that God does answer our prayers. The final thing we can be grateful for from Psalm 107 is that God does glorious things. In verse 21, it says that we must be grateful for the wonderful deeds God does for us humans. I believe this is a reminder for us to have a daily commitment to be grateful for everything God does for us, whether it be big or small. There are a few times in my life where I've been immensely grateful, and I'm going to share three of those times with you. One of them is that every summer, me and my dad go up north fishing. We usually fish for pike or jack, but... And I'm super grateful for these opportunities because it really grows my relationship with him and the God we serve. And we get to escape this busy city life and get to really look at God's creation. It has been a great time for reflection for us. Another thing I'm grateful for in my life is that God made a way for my family to move to Saskatoon from Walden, Saskatchewan back in 2012. I'm grateful for this because at the time my family was going through some very hard times, and moving back allowed our family healing, and most of our family lived here already. I thank God for opening the doors for this process, and although my dad didn't have a job here at the time, we trusted in God, and he was faithful. The third thing that I'm grateful for is the amazing grandparents God blessed me with. My mom and pa have taken me to Green Bay Bible Camp two summers in the past. It's in Kelowna, B.C., I especially recall cherishing the time spent at night singing by the campfire, singing worship songs, and reflecting on God's goodness. I'm so thankful and blessed for these times together. You know, I think we can take, Nick mentioned three things he's thankful for. Uh, One common element, it's all about the people around him. It's all about the people that are around him. So 
So realize that the people around you are likely one of the greatest elements of what they are thankful for. And so you can be a blessing to other people's lives. And family, you've been a blessing to someone's lives. That's incredible. That's incredible. So listen to how uh, one, of this, one, of these, um, one of the psalmists practices thankfulness here in Psalm 9, 1 to 2. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. That's what Nick did. I will be glad and rejoice in you, and I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. God's desire and design for us to be thankful is also evident in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where Paul talks about um, giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if it is God's will for us to be thankful, likely where we experience God's blessing is when we are being thankful. So it's, it's more than an than a, um, input-output, but I believe that thankfulness is one of the um, attributes of true joy in your life, is being thankful. So, the G, gratefulness. And by be- being grateful, we can experience the gladness of God uh, and that he has in store for us. So let's move on to the L, for lift. Now, 107, uh, again, that same song gives us several examples of people who were in difficult circumstances but uh, were delivered. So I'm talking about the entire Psalm 107 now. And the preface in verses 1 to 3 uh, calls those who have been saved from their horrible circumstances to tell their stories. So that's actually one of the ways that we can be thankful is talking about our stories. And that's what, uh, in part, what Nick is doing this morning, what I'm doing this morning. So there are four of these little scenarios in in this psalm where it goes through kind of this uh, trying circumstance, deliverance, and then thankfulness. That's kind of the structure. So let's take a look at one of those stories within the psalm, uh, within Psalm 107. So... Verse 23, some went out on sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In peril, their courage melted away. They reeled in and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks for the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of, his, of the people and praise him in the council of elders. So we, we do acknowledge that, and it's obvious in this psalm, that those who follow God aren't completely saved from all turmoil in their lives. And again, I don't think I need to um, extrapolate on that. So let's check out the turning point, because we see bad situation, but we see a positive result. So let's see what happens in the middle here. And this is, we're talking about lifting, Okay. So the situation, they reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. 
Okay, so they're experiencing intense emotional turmoil because they're in this storm. But watch this. This is the turning point in this psalm, in this specific story in the psalm, 107. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Okay, now let's see where their emotions go now. Verse, uh, the second half, uh, 28 down to 32. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. We see an incredible um, switch of their emotions when they cry out to the Lord. So this morning, whether it is big or small, I encourage you to take a moment, not just as a mental activity, but an honest turning to God to let him bear the burden of whatever it is you're going through. Cry out to the Lord. So, Nick, has God answered any of your uh, prayers? Oh, yes, he has. But I'm going to share with you guys one example was when my family was coming home to Waldeck from a hockey tournament in Glentworth, Saskatchewan. So if you can just show the Google Maps. All right, so as you can see, it's a pretty long trip. And at the time, since it's hockey, it's obviously winter. It was a complete whiteout. So we were driving, couldn't see the road, couldn't see the lines, caution lights everywhere, people in the ditch. And we were kind of freaking out. But in the moment, my mom was like, my mom started to pray. And we felt this peace that surpasses all understanding. And I believe that God protected us while we were driving and brought us home safely. And I can connect this to Psalms 107, verses 1 to 2, where it says that, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. I believe God was faithful in protecting us that night, coming home from Glentworth to Waldeck, just as he was faithful in bringing back and protecting the Jews to come back to Israel. Hmm. I think that there is um, something... (laughs) That was really cool in that story um, that I really identify with. And my mom started to pray. (laughs) Moms, I encourage you to continue praying like you do. Because honestly, your prayers are what bring guys like us to places like this. I truly believe that the prayers of a mom, the prayers of a family, the prayers of a church, they do make a difference. So let's lift our burdens to God. Okay, gratefulness. Lifting our burdens to God. Now, let's talk about some action. So I want to take a look at actions that are taken by um, the psalmist as, we rev- uh, as revealed through the book of Psalms. I want to see what they're actually doing to experience God's gladness. Um, and this one might be a little interesting. Let's go to Psalm 46, uh, verse 8. It says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written in my heart. Let's keep going. Psalm 119.97 now. Oh, how I love your law. 
I meditate on it all day long. So we see that um, even as New Testament people, New Covenant people, where we, we uh, and Romans makes, the, uh, it's got so much to say about the law and of what the psalmists are talking about, the law being this um, you know, several hundred different uh, rules and, and uh, uh, diet regulations and all kinds of different um, uh, life-orientating uh, principles, but very practical as well. And so we look back at that, as, or I definitely have looked back at that and say, oh my goodness, um, uh, how, how, what a crazy system of rules to follow. That would be so difficult. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. But here, look at the psalmist. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is written within my heart. I love your law, it says. I meditate on it all day long. So the psalmist's uh, desired to do God's will. They truly desired to do God's will and follow his commands. And they studied his commands and they wanted to do his commands. So let's go to John 15, 12 to 14 to see one of the commands that Jesus, is, Jesus gives. And Jesus gives plenty as well. So I encourage you to study through the gospel to look at what life-orientating principles that Jesus has for you. So my command is this, it says in verse 12 of 15. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. When we're the friend of Christ, I do believe that we'll experience gladness. And so let's ensure that one of the things that we're watching for as we desire to experience gladness is following God's law as revealed in Scripture. So what's another way that we can uh, take action? I believe we can take action to experience God's gladness by sharing our faith. As Christians, we're not supposed to keep our faith to ourselves necessarily, but share what God is actively doing in our lives with others. And I believe um, Jesus says this to the disciples perfectly in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is picturing this perfectly to share our faith, and that's one of his commands for us. I believe we see this in Psalm 107, verse 2 also, where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those who are redeemed from the hand of the foe. I believe as followers of Christ that we should not keep the work that God's doing in our lives only in our own knowledge, but that we should share what God's doing in our walk with him. I also believe we should praise God publicly and that we should not be embarrassed of our faith. As Christians, we must be willing to share God's work with others. Sharing what God has done in our lives will potentially encourage others who might be going through some hard times. As we can experience gladness through taking action in our faith, I believe we can also experience gladness by delighting in God and all that he has done for us. So let's move to delight, the D of the acronym GLAD. In 1 Peter 4, verses 14 to 16, it says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. 
or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. From these verses, I believe there are two main points we can extrapolate from it in relation to delighting in God. The first one being that there is no shame in suffering for Jesus. That we should delight in these kinds of sufferings because we know that in, at the end of the day, God's glory will reign. The second point for these verses is that we should delight and praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. As we should delight in God, God also delights in his people, as we see in Psalm 149, verses 3 to 4. And this is from the message. It says, Let them praise his name in dance, strike up the band, and make great music. And why? Because God delights in his people. Festoons, plain folk with salvation garlands. The King James Version says, verses 3 to 4, Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the tremble, tremble and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. And finally, the NIV Version says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him. With tremble and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. As followers of Christ, I believe we all delight in the characteristics that God has. And today I want to share one of those characteristics with you. The characteristic I love about God the most, or one in particular, is that I delight in that he always has an open ear to hear us. He's always willing to hear what we have to say to him. And I love that about him. This is important to me because back in a time in Waldeck, our family was going through some hard times. And my dad said, let's pray. We all knew that God was there beside us, listening. And a few months from that day, God resolved that situation. I believe my whole family benefited from that experience spiritually. So, Joel, could you wrap it up and just hit some points home? You bet. Okay. (laughs) Gratefulness should be our heart's immediate orientation. Let's be a thankful people. That's also when we experience turmoil in our lives, when we have situations in our lives, when we're on the playground, when we are at our workplace, when we are in any context we find ourselves in. Let us not turn to anything first before God. Like, like Nick was saying, he has an open ear for you. He has an open ear for, for you. So bring those uh, longing and longings and desires to him. Let's also acknowledge that our faith is not something that is just a cognitive exercise, but is in fact something we do. Our faith is action. So let us follow the commands that God has for us, and let us uh, be active in sharing that faith with people. Those are two of the the many things that we can uh, do in our faith that are actionable points. And finally, let's ensure that we are always, despite season, as the season of life that you're in, uh, despite the income in your piggy bank or in your bank account, let's delight in God. And, and, And I think, let's hit this one more time from Psalm 49, or 149. God delights in you. <laughs> so 
So if there's anything you're wondering and you're, you're, you're say you're thinking about gratefulness right now and you're, you're kind of oh, wondering what to be grateful for, how about this? The God who created heaven and earth literally looks at you and delights in you. It isn't this, well, they messed up, I'll fix it, hopefully they get it right eventually. It is even in people's sinfulness, there was such delight taken that he sent his son to die and redeem all of creation, both humanity and everything we see. That's how incredibly uh, loving our God is. So God delights in you, and we should delight in him. I want to tell one final story. Um, in our youth programming, we're taking a little bit more um, emphasis in this back half of the year to make our faith not only something, and again, this is kind of a, a thing that's been on my mind quite a bit, um, that our, our faith isn't something just cognitive. I was in a module all last week from 9 to 5 p.m., Monday to Friday, I was sitting in a lecture. It was all about God and um, current issues. That's what it was, current issues in theology. And uh, we got through this, and, and my mind is just overwhelmed with all of the different approaches and, and uh, all the different ethics that we talked about and all the different kinds of things that we had to wrestle with. But in this back half of the year for youth, we want to bring our faith from a cognitive level, but also from an experiential level. And so we want to not just know God, but experience God, experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. So sometime last week, I find myself uh, with an individual that walks into my office. And this person is um, experiencing stuff that... Uh, I, I, I honestly can't even identify with how severe the emotions and turmoil that she was going through. Um, and so here I am, uh, sitting with this individual, trying to um, find something encouraging. While I have this idea of gladness sitting on my mind, and, and it's absolute and utter despair, and so I'm thankful that, the, that I, I turned to the Holy Spirit and literally in this moment, and I said, um, Lord, I, I need to hear from you. I need guidance. And he told me, uh, this is happening more and more in my spiritual walk, but he's actually really, really speaking to me, which is just fascinating and exciting. But he told me, create a space of worship. And I thought... A, I don't have my guitar. B, you know, this person isn't really in a feeling of worship, but, but I, I, I found myself, no, I mean, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit is telling me. And so I facilitate this time of worship. I, I, um, there's no music, there's no people, there's just uh, us. And I, and, I, and I start to um, coax myself and uh, speak with her. Well, let, let, let's turn this moment into um, an atmosphere of praise. You know, God, you are so good. God, you, I am, I'm so thankful for you. God, you are sovereign. You are just. You, you see me in my pain. And sure enough, this individual 
starts worshiping God. And the Holy Spirit gives her this beautiful uh, poem of praise where she's in this real raw way lifting her burdens to God. She's being grateful. She's walked into this office to receive spiritual uh, help. And she's delighting in God in all of this craziness in her life. And so I asked her at the end of this interaction, you know, how, how do you feel? Are, you know, are you ready to go home? Or She said, I feel relieved. And so she took this faith and we made it an experiential moment in her life and it completely changed that day. And I I think those moments, whether we know it now or not, completely change the direction of our lives. And so I encourage you, um, in your moments of thinking about God, make it also a moment to experience God. So uh, can we all stand as I end in prayer here? So, Heavenly Father, we look to you and and we say we are grateful. We are gathered here today in a safe place with family and friends and people around us that believe in you, and we are thankful for how encouraging it is to gather in a place like this. Father, we also take this moment and I encourage you to do this with me. We take this moment, Lord, and we lift our burdens to you. Father, I lift my anxiety to you. Father, I lift my stress to you. Father, I lift my fear for my family to you. I need you in those situations. And Lord, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would help me to be active in my faith, looking with eyes like you to see those who are hurting in this world and extend out a hand of help to them. And Father, this morning, we delight in you and we thank you that you delight in us. So we give you the glory, God, and we praise you and we worship you and we name you the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and we are honored absolutely honored to be just a servant in your kingdom. We love you, Father, in your holy name. Everyone said, amen. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about the Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.